Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Ida Hammer is a hoof care provider that I have heard a lot about over the last few years. She has a unique approach to the horses she sees and often fits puzzle pieces together to find out how to allow them to move as comfortably as possible and grow the best hoof possible. She incorporates nutrition, bodywork, biomechanics, saddle fit, the rider's balance, and many more factors into her considerations when looking at horses. I wanted to ask her a few questions about that approach and about the program she has to train others to consider these same kind of factors when trimming. I thought that it would be great if we could start with how you came into this whole horse approach to hoof care. So in the early 2000s, I started with the AANHCP, which was a great group. It was Jamie Jackson's group. And Pete was in it and, you know, lots of great trimmers. And we had a lot of good mentorship opportunities. And so back then, it was kind of really taught about the Mustang model, and which I, I still believe in it and I, and I love it. But as we progressed along, Pete got really progressive and started doing some really cool things with the horses and stuff. So that really just... Like that really hit home for me. So then the more I saw, the more I wanted to know. Then it was like this aha moment kind of thing. Because when I first started, I, I called myself a natural trimmer. And then when I got thinking about it, no matter what we did, it's like if you put boots on a horse, there's no boots in the, on the Mustangs. You have to, like, we had to refocus what we were really thinking about. So then I kind of became obsessive about changes in horses and what we were doing and, and how everything was affecting everything. So one another aha moment for me was um, I was trimming in a dressage barn, a dressage horse that always had perfect feet. And she got trimmed every four weeks, but from one four-week section to the next four-week session, something happened, like her back feet had worn really odd. So I had, you know, I, I contacted the owner and I'm like, what happened with your horse? Because something, something's not right because her feet are always just perfect. And she's like, nothing, nothing that I know of. And then she's like, the only thing that changed was I got a new saddle. I said, well, the saddle doesn't fit. <laughs> and so she got her saddle re-flocked and, and whatnot, and the, the feet went right back to normal. So all the progression of things that you see and we do with the horses, it's really not just about the feet. And like the feet are the first and the last things that touch the ground, but everything in between is affecting the feet, and the feet are affecting everything like between them. So I've just kind of got obsessive with the, the fact that there's always a, a chicken and an egg event. I really got away from the idea of, not, not that the Mustang model doesn't still work, but it, like it gives us some really important points that we have to hold on to and to keep as far as like, you know, not being too invasive and that kind of thing. But there's every kind of thing under the sun that affects the feet and, and vice versa. Like the diet, it's it's the diet and it's the environment and it's the emotions and it's the work and it's it's what they do. So like every, every single thing, I've, I've seen horses, their feet be affected because they left home for uh, uh, to go to a trainer and it affected their feet. And I've seen like ill-fitting saddles, every movement, every action causes a reaction. So whether it's diet or, or environment or whatever. So that's that's a long-winded answer for your question but <laughs> no that makes a lot of sense and i see a lot of the same things too and so you know considering all those things when when you come to a horse or to a new client what are some of the things that you look for 
uh, when you're making decisions on what to do with the feet? First things is, um, I, like, I won't even trim a new horse until I watch it go. And I'll watch it go. I have certain certain things that I'll look for. And then depending on the circumstances, I'll ask for other things. But I want to see how the horse moves, you know, online with the person. Like a lot of times I will prefer to watch it when the person's not thinking that I'm watching it, when they're just maybe going to get in their horse. Because you can see an interaction with the person and the horse. You can see, how, like, especially if they're getting it out of the herd, how its herd life is. Where Where is it living? How often is it outside? How often is it inside? What kind of diet it has, and so I'm asking the the people all these questions at this, you know, after they bring it in, you know, I need to know pretty much everything: how long they had the horse, what what's his job, how does it get along in the herd, everything, everything pertains to everything. Is is crazy as it seems, the owner could be doing every single thing right, and the horse be in a herd that it's not comfortable with, and it can still have stress lines in its feet, and so I, everything. I'm like I ask about everything that they do, and. What do you think are some of the the biggest factors contributing to hoof problems? I have moments that I'll obsess over one thing over the other, but I tell my clients all the time, my job is actually the easiest job as the trimmer because I mold everything that they do all the rest of the time. So we mold the foot, but they build the foot. They build the foot with the diet. They build the foot with the movement. So my two things that I'm most adamant about is, is diet and exercise because... I've seen horses that are on a good diet, but that are kept in a stall too much and their feet are still terrible. And I've seen horses that are out a lot with a little bit less diet and their feet are better. So like the movement, I think movement is probably the most important thing, but everything is important. No, yeah, it makes sense. And when you're talking about diet, do you follow like the Dr. Kellen's mineral balancing, that kind of... Dr. Kelly and, I've, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to take some of her classes, and, and she's pretty much my go-to as far as, like, directing people for dietary information. But I also like um, the stuff that Katie Watts does, too, which they're pretty on the same path. And then with all that said, so there's actually facts with Dr. Kelly and there's facts with Katie Watts. And there's other really good people, too, and I've got different dietary books, and I couldn't tell you all the different authors. But still, basically, the low-carb and the mineral balancing and that stuff. And then I always tell people, and this is the hardest part to try to put it in a black and white answer, is 90% Dr. Kellen type diet and 10% common sense because Mm -hmm. every single horse is an individual. So you could have the minerals completely balanced per Dr. Kellen for horse A and completely balanced for horse B. And horse B might need just something a little extra or something a little less, you know, with it. But mostly Dr. Kellen because she's been really a pioneer for all of us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Katie Watts does the Safer Grass website. Yes. Is that what you mean in terms of like sugars in the grass? Yeah, safergrass.org. And I don't get as much time to spend time on those sites as I used to, but I always direct to her as the forage guru. I think she's pretty top notch on that stuff. Yeah, it seems like it. Great. So you talked a bit about how, you know, we as we as health care providers are molding these feet that we're coming to. Um But, you know, what are your goals in trimming when you come to a hoof? So my goals are the most comfortable functionability for a horse because I got caught up, you know, for a while, you know, like as we were taught in the beginning, it's like, again, it was all the Mustang model. And then when you get caught up with a certain 
certain hoof that you want, a certain look that you want, then you take the horse's opinion out of that. So my number one thing that I want with everything is is the horse's opinion to, to like what he has, meaning that he's got the foot that he has the most functionability with and that he feels the best with what they have. So I still want a balanced foot. As a rule, I hate long toes. Like long toes create a lot of problems. And so I like to see a balanced foot without excess toe. I like to have it good digital cushion and you know appropriate heels but with that said I would take the horse's opinion over a statistical opinion or a, a mathematical opinion so my goals are is to have you know the foot completely balanced but there are horses that have pathologies that for whatever reason they need just a little bit outside of the black and white so that's my goal yeah and I I struggle with that sometimes because I you know my goal too is the most comfortable you know heel first balanced movement but at the same time I'm, I always think about how you know these feet are what veterinarians or other people that are coming to that horse are seeing as you know, I hate to say this, as almost like my business card. And I do sometimes get caught up in wanting them to look a certain way. And I have to constantly remember that the horse's opinion overrides any kind of, you know, appearance that we're, we're shooting for. Yes. But, yeah. I agree with that 100%. And, and I've, I've had to learn that through the horses telling me because what I tell all of my clients and all of my students, I'll tell them the goals that I have for the foot like the clients I'll tell them the goals that I have for the foot but I always add with that the horse's opinion matters the most so it doesn't matter how much I like what I just did if the horse doesn't like it for any reason it's wrong it might be theoretically correct but it's realistically wrong because horses don't have an agenda so if they don't like what you did then it's my job to figure out what about I what I did don't they like like one of the first things that taught me that early on was our weather I think is similar to yours and like we have wet periods and then we have super dry periods and then wet periods and early on I would trim the horses to a certain you know like get them with, with live soul and have a roll and everything be in proportion and they're like loving their feet loving their feet loving their feet and then we'd go from like the wet season to the hard season Season. so their feet would be soft as it's transitioning into this hard ground and so then it would wear their feet off faster so every season that would happen and so then like the trim that the horses had loved all the time all of a sudden they weren't like awful sore but they just weren't as happy as what I think they should have been and so I'm like you know I need to start making a note to that and this is like Gosh, this is like really early in my career, and I nicknamed it the endurance trim. So, like, if you're trimming an endurance horse that's actually training barefoot, you leave it a little bit more hoof for it to wear off, rather than taking all the hoof away before it has to wear it off. So, we left a little bit more. Started leaving when we transitioned from one season to the next. I'm like, I'll adjust how much hoof I'll leave on compared to what I would do if it was the same season all the time. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Tina Thomas, a graduate of Ida's program, was willing to talk to me a bit about the program and what she learned from it. One of the things I just really want to say about Ida in her program is she is one of the absolute most progressive people that I know. She is always researching and just trying to find the best ways to help the horse. So the program for maybe a year or two years or three years ago is not the same. She's always adding on any new information she can to help the horse. And so one of the first things she always says too is when you go to approach and trim the horse, ask what does the horse want? What does the horse need? In that given moment in time, you know, your approach for that day, it may not be the same the next month. What does that horse need right then? And the horse is always right. 
And actually, that kind of reminds me of, uh, I was talking to Lisa Mittler a bit, and she was saying to ask you a little bit about some of your favorite sayings. And I think you sort of already addressed one. She said that one of your sayings is, you know, what does a perfect hoof look like? Well, it depends. Yeah. And I actually put that on a t-shirt because <laughs> inevitably, I'm like, I, I teach a lot of classes and everybody always like, well, what should this look like? And I'm like, I just smile at him. I'm like, it depends because... If the again, if the horse doesn't like it, it's it's wrong, and so then there's always all the extra pieces that should go with the question. It's like how long? How do I know how long to leave the heels, or how short to take the heels, or how long the, the toe? And we have guidelines, and we do our bit of mapping, but it's more of a freelance mapping. I put it because everything is connected to everything. You know, if the horse has got really weak digital cushions and really, really crappy frogs, he's not going to be able to have the perfect trim right now because he's got to have enough of a trim that encourages growth, but not so much that discourages it because they're sore. So there's always, it depends with everything. What's a perfect look like? It depends. <laughs> yeah, right. And actually another one she told me to ask you about is you have a saying that there is no such thing as all of the sudden unless it's trauma. Can you talk yep. about that a little bit? Yep, because that goes back to the whole horse thing, and this is what I get so wound up and excited about. Because everybody, and I'm sure you you hear it constantly too. You'll you'll be working on a horse, and you know you're seeing things that's not right. So the horse maybe they're not traveling right. There are some horses that are not lame, but they're not correct. So they're not limping. But when you watch them go, they're having to compensate in their body. And you'll see this a lot with front feet soreness. Mm -hmm. What happens is, is for that horse not to limp and look like he's the weak link, he's got to really lift himself up with his brachiocephalus muscles and, and like lift himself so that he can not be limping. So it takes the weight off the front end a little bit. And you can watch that when they go and you can actually, some of the classes that we do, we actually do slow motion video and really zero in on that because a lot of people think their horse is just lazy or it's just like, it just, it just doesn't want to go. And, and it really is just because that their feet are not comfortable, but they're not lame. And this happens where horses, this is this stuff is happening. You can look at a uh, horse's body structure and see that this horse hasn't been traveling correctly for a long time, whether it be sore feet or bad riding or bad saddle fit. But then inevitably, the horse will eventually not be able to take it anymore, and then they will be limping. And then the statement is, is like, my horse all of a sudden came in lame. No, not really. He's been telling you for a really long time he wasn't comfortable and you missed it. So there's really, unless it's trauma, there's no such thing as all of a sudden. I don't buy that. Yeah, my favorite one, not my favorite one, but when people are like, oh my goodness, they foundered out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. no, yeah. not really. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, I'm like, I've only seen a, a handful of horses that, like they got laminitis out of nowhere. And one of those was like I said, like the horse left home and never been away from home. And it went to a trainer and just the sheer stress of it. But other than that, navicular disease, I pick on every discipline. But, you know, like you can watch a horse do what it's doing. And it's like all of a sudden it's got navicular disease. And I'm like, well, he's really been telling you that for about 10 years. And all of a sudden he's been foundered. No, but like he's had dietary issues and rings that like, you know, every time we talk about diet, my favorite one is like, there's really no grass out on that 10 acre <laughs> field of droughted grass. And I'm like, well, there's not much but a bunch of sugar cubes, but, you know, that's okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Actually, I wanted to ask a little bit about what you use in addition to trimming. Like, what are your, some of your favorite tools? I know that you do some with glue-ons and form-a-hoof. Did I hear that you use the Surefoot pads a bit, too? 
Yes, yes. So again, it goes back to the whole horse thing. And I do a lot of the glue-on shoes. I prefer the performance, the Easy Care performance shoes, because there's no metal in those, and they're they're completely flexible. And and I've had really a lot of luck helping horses that have had thin soles with compressed corium and that kind of thing. Like I, those are one of my favorite tools. I like the boots, but depending on what the horse has got going on. So sometimes if the horse has a compressed corium. I don't really like the flatness on the inside of the boot. I like to have some relief like in front of the apex so that the, the corium has a little bit of chance for blood flow to feed the sole. And then the formahoof has been a wonderful tool for us because I think we use that pretty successfully with the digital cushions. A lot of the studies like that Dr. Taylor has hit on it, Dr. Bowker hit on it in the 2015 ECIR conference about the tiny little ligament inside the digital cushion called the CCU ligament. So a lot of the horses that have what I consider to be prolapsed heel bulbs where it looks like a water balloon that goes out the back of the foot. The frog can actually look fine sometimes, but the heel bulbs are like out backwards or not. The digital cushion is not anywhere it needs to be for the navicular bone or the GDFT. So a group of us went down and worked with Dr. Taylor in January, and she was she had amazing information for us. And you know, we started working with the Formahoof, and that has been probably one of my most successful tools as far as getting the digital cushion developed rapidly without causing a lot of downtime for the horse. You can you can still rehab the digital cushions with all the techniques that we use, but sometimes sooner is better than later if they're going to be damaging their DDFT and their navicular bone on the way to rehabbing. So with the formal hoof, that's been a really big tool for us to really get those horses because it kind of pushes that digital cushion in place to where it's, you know, where it's supposed to be working for them. The surefoot pads, they're uncanny. I'd say a good portion of my graduates use them in their practice as well as myself. Wendy Murdoch herself will tell you, I'm not exactly sure how they work, but they do. And that's an understatement because those horses that you use the surefoot pads with, they tell us all kinds of things. And the kind of things that we suspect that you're looking at this horse and you think that this horse might want this or that. And then you ask them what they want to do on the surefoot pads. And they really kind of show you if you just listen to them. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. No, yeah, I've seen some video of them. I've never actually used them myself, but I've heard really good success stories with them. Um, It's been something I wanted to explore a little bit more. We did a cool thing with Dr. Taylor with those. We had a horse that was there getting formal hoofed, and he was a a young reigning horse that went club-footed in his back feet. And so he was there getting formal hoofed. So this is the kind of thing that was, and this is a cool thing about Dr. Taylor because like she cares what the horse says too, you know, not just like what we see on a radiograph. So everything about that horse, but, but showed that, you know, he's club footed and the owners wanted to get his angles down and that kind of thing. But we put him on the surefoot pad and then Dr. Taylor actually took an x-ray of him on the surefoot pad to see how he felt the most comfortable, like where he wanted his bone, that he stood and relaxed the most comfortable that you could see this definite relief in his body. And so then that gave us a picture, even though we have a goal of where we wanted to go with his feet, it gave us a picture of what he needed to be comfortable to get to that point. So we, we could adjust the, the angle of the formal hoof to simulate the angle that he chose on the surefoot pad. That's really cool. I actually just did my first form hoof application a few weeks ago, and the mayor really likes it. So Yes. A lot of horses that really are gravitated towards the formal hoof are horses that pretty much been written off with no hope. And so, like, once that it gets out that these horses are rehabbing and some of them are back to work and they're comfortable, 
you know, I probably am doing, well, I think we did five formal hoofs this week. Wow. Yeah, that's right. great. Awesome. And so, I mean, you kind of uh, touched upon this a little bit, but um, so you have a school or a program um, that people can take to learn more about hoof care or even become professionals. What can you expect from going through your program? Is that to be certified to become a professional? So not really. So it's both. So how I word it, because it depends on the individual and, and it's really kind of the case, you know, with wherever you go. But so it is a certification program and there are six classes to the program. And then with every class, you know, they have opportunities to ride with other people and that kind of thing. But the six classes pretty much gives them a good overview of everything that that we're going to be doing with horses, but not every situation you're going to be doing it in. That takes experience. So it starts off the, the first class is an exploring the equine hoof class, which is basically it's a, it's that's all lecture PowerPoint with specimens that covers everything that all the classes will cover. And then, then we have a beginner, intermediate, and advanced trim classes. And then we have a three-day hoof protection class. And then we have the hoof wear patterns class. And so the hoof wear patterns class teaches you how to notice hoof wear patterns on the foot and changes and things that would make you make the owner aware. So like the dressage horse that had perfect feet and all of a sudden she didn't. And then um, your horse could come in and you could see he's not limping, but say that the front right foot is wearing the toe off now and it never wore the toe off before. So that would bring questions up. That's not to say and that class is designed to make you question everything. Because if the right front foot has now got a new wear pattern, is it because the horse is pawing? Is it because the horse is like short striding on that foot? Is it having a problem in the diagonal foot? Is the back sore that's creating this issue of the, the foot not being able to extend? So all these questions that you can make the owner aware that there's something going on and then they can proceed with like their, their body work or their veterinarian, what they need to do. But instead of letting it, just like ignoring it, and then all of a sudden having a horse that's got navicular disease because it's been toe jamming on its right front foot, like those kind of things. So it's just awareness of everything. And that class really stresses about the body relation to the feet because it's not always something in the foot that causes the wear pattern. Oftentimes it's something in the body. You can watch a horse go. And that class is so fun because we do experiments just to see what changes we cause. And then I have a program that you can split the screen and take every footstep. So we do the same directional film and split the screen and then you watch every footfall. And so you can watch how one simple thing, like one of the things we did was put a, um, a saddle on and put a 10 pound weight in one stirrup. So like a, maybe a rider has a body issue today and, or like that bad knee or whatnot. And so it puts more weight in one stirrup. So you can see how that weight in one stirrup can actually change the flight pattern of the foot. Wow, yeah. You know, it's just making you aware of anything and everything that's possible with anything that affects the horse's body or its feet. Yeah, that's great. And so there's there's six total. Do you do hands-on work with horses and trimming and glue-ons and that kind of thing? So the beginner trim class, that's just on cadaver feet. That's just getting them an idea of the techniques and what you do. And then the intermediate class, what we do with that one is you get cadaver feet and they don't get any instruction. I want to see what they retain. And they can take that back to back with the beginner class or it can be a year from then or whenever because there's no time limit. So they can take it at however pace they want but they won't get any instruction with the foot that they get because I want to be able to see their reasoning skills I want to see what did they retain and what have they seen enough of so I want to see what they do when they do see it 
And then the second half of that class is most of that is about ergonomics. Like we work on live courses, but I have students that are six foot four and four foot 11. And those two people can't trim the same because that's just not physically possible. So there's a lot of times like when I went through classes um, lots of years ago, a lot of the people that I worked with were former farriers and they were guys and they're like, this is the way we trim and I don't want to see any of this mamby pamby one-handed stuff. This is how it's done. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do that, but I'll never teach like that because everybody has a different body. So like, so people can have, they might have a knee issue, so I can help them stay comfortable and how they trim. So there's lots of ways, body positions and safety. There's no guarantees with working on horses, but it should be as safe as possible. And some things that people might do is, you know, more dangerous than others. So like we go over the safety issues and the whys and the why nots and ergonomics really, because, you know, I've trimmed a lot of horses and I have a lot of mileage on my body. So my goal is, is to make sure that people don't make the same stupid mistakes I've made. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you said that usually that's sort of like a, an intro to, to trimming into hoof care. Do you then have people go on to do like apprenticeships or do you suggest they go on to do a different kind of, you know, mentorship to continue their studying? So yes to both because I've had several apprentices and I don't always have time to take people with me. So right now I have probably close to 100 graduates throughout the U.S. and one in the U.K., um, one working on it in uh, South Africa, and I have several going through the program right now. So a lot of times, depending on where they're located, because I've got I pretty much got people in play, I'm going to just off the top of my head say maybe 10 states. So there's usually somebody, one of our group that can help other people out that are in that area. They can ride with people that are just, they can ride with anybody they want to for that is concerned. But I prefer them to ride with graduates that have actually been working on horses because for between the intermediate class and the advanced class, a person needs to have trimmed 25 horses before that they take the advanced class because I want to make sure that they're getting some under the horse time and some ideas of tools and behavior and, and that kind of thing. They can ride with anyone in the group and I advocate the PHCP also. Yeah, <laughs> like, actually, I, I went through PHCP then. So. Yeah, you. <laughs> a lot of that started with the American Hope Association. There are a lot of people from the AHA that's to the PHCP and we have the same ideals. Yeah. Deb Davies is an international trainer and body worker who teaches a whole horse approach to riding and training all over the world. She sees a correlation between the horse's movement and training and its feet. She has worked quite a bit with Ida as well and was willing to chat with me about their whole horse approach. I was out working with students and clients with my profession and I noticed that several of my clients, their horses' feet were just in, just brilliantly balanced and just really well done and I was so used to seeing the opposite. And I mentioned to this particular client, you know, who does your feet? And she said, well, I do them myself, but I started with Ida Hammer. And that's the first time I actually heard about Ida. And then I happened to run into clients all over the country and it was the same scenario. I see these horses with amazingly balanced feet and they're like, yeah, I studied with Ida Hammer. And it's interesting because I had been wanting to learn a little bit more about barefoot trimming myself as an osteopath so I could, you know, support horses um, in that way as well. But I, I just didn't know really where to study. And my rule of thumb is always 
when I hear something three times, to me, it's the universe giving me a wake-up call. So finally, there was another client that I saw and was working with in Wisconsin, and she said the same thing I learned from Ida Hammer. So obviously, off I went and started studying with Ida. And she's just the most incredibly knowledgeable horsewoman, but also hoof trimmer and educator. And that's one of the things that is so incredible about her is she doesn't just trim horses' feet, but she educates not just those students that want to be part of her training system, but she educates owners and she educates anybody that wants to have a consultation about the correct balance and mechanics of the feet. The other thing that I really, really honor and appreciate as a kind of whole horse person myself is Ida is one of the very few hoof trimmers that I have met that looks at the whole horse. She doesn't just look at the feet, of course that's her specialty, but she looks at the mechanics of the horse. I was so impressed the very first time we did a gait analysis class together and we use slow motion videos to look at the horse's movement. And that's something that I do with my biomechanics courses. And so I was absolutely thrilled to see that Ida and somebody that's really interested in foot balance and correct wear and mechanics of the feet is also looking at the whole horse. And she has just taken the time to completely educate herself in relationship to everything horse from mechanics to you know learning about the nervous system to understanding intricately circulatory effects of the blood flow nerves of the foot so you know she and i laugh a lot about being nerds because you know we both sit up and study all things horse until all hours of the night but that is what makes her so incredibly brilliant at her work and at her teaching. So um, I was blessed to go through her course and her training. And every time I go to one of her trainings, I could repeat the class over and over and I still learn more because she continues to learn more, which in my mind is the sign of a brilliant teacher. If you continue to learn and grow and have more to share with your students, that's really what makes you outstanding. And actually, that kind of leads right to my my last question. You know, what is your, if you had to think of your overall ideology in a sentence, that might be really hard, but what would that be? Let me think about that. So I'd have to say my ideology is to do the best for the horse, with the horse, and to the horse. That's a short sentence to sum up. It's really mind, body, and soul. And so when we work with the horses, it needs to encompass all of those. Yeah, that's great. And do you have any advice for horse owners in general in regards to their horse's feet and their hoof health? So this sounds hokey, but I always tell people, every single person is just listen to your horse. If your horse is telling you physical symptoms by what you see in their feet, ask why. There's one thing that I want all of my students to know is to ask why for everything. So if your horse's feet do not look correct, whether it be something that the owner's doing or trimmer's doing, ask why. You should never, ever just take somebody's word for it. I tell people when they come to my classes and I tell horse owners all the same, ask me why. You know, I will never lie to you, but you can't just believe everything everybody tells you. You have to to research everything. So the number one thing I would tell every horse owner is to ask why about everything. Why does my horse's feet look like this? Why is the diet not right? 
why is my horse looking sad? That's, that's a huge thing for me. Yeah, I think that's great. I know, you know, when I was, before I was trimming, I kind of felt helpless in a lot of ways in regards to helping with my horse's soundness. But I also did feel a little bit like I couldn't question the professionals that were working on my horse. So I like that too. I like that advice. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of horse owners are like that. And crazy enough, and you know, that a lot of our clients, I'd say the majority of our clients are women. And society and everybody has always made people feel like you have to trust the professionals. You have to trust this and trust that. It's not that I don't trust anybody. I just question everybody. I I question anybody. And I thoroughly expect and appreciate the fact that they would question me. Because you have to be your mouthpiece for your horse. They're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to ask why this is happening. If a professional gets angry because you question them, they're either insecure, don't know the answers, or they've got a God complex. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much. I am looking forward to putting this all together. Thanks, girl. All right. Well, have a great rest of your night. Okay, sounds good. All right. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.